Jude chapter number one. I'm always hesitant to say Jude 1 or do I say Jude in the verse because there's only one chapter. That's the dilemma I've had. That's the worst one I'm ever going to have. I think we're going to be all right. Jude chapter number 1. I'm going to pick up in verse number 1, read down through about verse number 5. And I'm going to give you just a few things right quick that I believe the Lord would have us to share with you tonight as we prepare to go on with the will of God for our lives until he calls us home. Jude chapter number 1, verse number 1. One day I'm going to say Jude chapter number 2 and just watch people get so confused. Jude 1, 1, the Bible says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Let's stop there and pray together. Father, thank you so much, uh, Lord, tonight for the privilege to be back in your house, hear wonderful music, to sing praise to your name. Now, Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word and Lord, to hear from it. And Father, we desperately desire to hear from you tonight. I desire to hear from you. Lord, I pray tonight that we have surrendered our will even now over to yours and whatever you desire to do in this service. I pray that, Lord, we're ready and willing to accept it, to receive it, and to respond to it. Bless, Lord, I pray the invitation. Help your will be done, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes the Lord will lead us to preach through a series on Wednesday night and uh, Sunday nights, and uh, sometimes we will be preaching through a thought and not necessarily know that we're going through a continuous theme, and I think the last few Sunday nights have been just that. As we've been looking at a lot of scriptures, the Lord's given us a lot of burden uh, about messages that help us persevere uh, in what God's called us to do in the times that we're living in. I believe a couple of Sundays ago, we looked at a message entitled, The Character of Our Convictions. We've got to have some conviction if we're going to be able to fulfill the will of God and all the opposition we're facing. And I think last Sunday, we looked at reinforcing our resolve about having some perseverance and being resolved in what God's called us to do, particularly in such a difficult era that we're living in. Uh, on Thursday night, or I think it was Friday night, I finished out the marriage retreat uh, with a message on the labor of love, a very simple thought. Uh, we're trying not to preach, we're trying to do more teaching, and we really taught or preached on the labor of love and how loving is truly a labor at times, isn't it? All the wives said amen on that point because sometimes we as husbands are hard to love. And if we're going to love like Christ loved, and he says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, we've got to understand that sometimes that's going to be a labor. Because you look at what Christ had to do for me in spite of all that I did to him, and yet he loved me enough to labor that I could be saved. Now, the Christian life is no different. The Christian life is going to require some labor. And as we go throughout Scripture, we see a lot of metaphors that describe the Christian life as a whole. Let me give you a few right quick of my favorites. 
Now, Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible compares the Christian life and our walk to a race. Uh, now, that's one that I like. The Bible tells us to run our race and to run it, run it with patience, knowing that one day we'll cross that finish line and we'll be there with Christ. Now, I like to run, or at least I used to like to run. So comparing the Christian life to a race is not something that bothers me too much. Galatians chapter 5, we read of cultivating those spiritual fruits and we can kind of see how the Christian life is a lot like cultivating a, a garden, if you will. And from time to time, I don't mind planting something, so that's not too much of a bother. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible compares the Christian life to a building project, project about building up our own faith. And I like to build. That's what I did as a, uh, for, for a job before I became a pastor, so I don't mind building. So that doesn't scare me too much. Those are metaphors that I really find enjoying from time to time. But we look down in Jude, and Jude begins to paint us a picture of the Christian life that is one that has difficulty. And I'll be honest with you, when you look at what Jude portrays as the Christian life and the walk that he's calling us to persevere in, it's one that we might be tempted to avoid. Notice what he says here in verse number three. He exhorts them that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith. For the faith. Now, what is Jude saying? Jude's saying, listen, last week we preached on reinforcing our resolve. Do you know why you should reinforce your resolve? Because sooner or later, you're going to have to contend for your resolve. You're going to have to put up a fight for the things that we believe in. And Jude is showing them exactly how they can go about that. Because, listen, if you want to maintain your conviction, what you say you believe according to the will and the word of God, if you're going to maintain that, sooner or later you are going to have to contend for it. Why? Because of resistance. The devil cannot afford you to continue on in that race, in that building project, cultivating that spiritual fruit in your life, and so he seeks to create resistance in our life from fulfilling his will. That's why you're going to have to contend. Now, this is something we're not very good at, to be honest with you. I want to show you tonight real quickly, if we could, how to contend for conviction. How to contend for conviction. Let's just jump right into it, if we could. So verse 3, he says that we're going to have to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, what is he saying? Jude is saying, in the life of a Christian, there are some things worth scrapping about, all right? Now listen, there are some things that we shouldn't scrap about, and there's probably too many things that we scrap about that we shouldn't. But there are some things in the Christian life and the Christian walk that if we are to fulfill the will of our Father and stand before him and hear well done one day, we're going to have to fight for. So notice number one tonight, the exhortation to fight. He gives them an exhortation to fight. Now, there are things in life that it's okay with letting go and giving into. All right? Could we speak just hypothetically for a minute? Let's just speak hypothetically. Say your wife just really wanted you to go get a pedicure with her, man. Let's just speak hypothetically. Not going to call any names. And you're thinking, well, that's just not, you know, who I am and what I do and what I'm about. And you're thinking, you know what? Do I really have a conviction about going to get a pedicure? And, I, you know, I just, if it was me or hypothetically speaking, I'm thinking, well, you know what, I don't, really have a, a, I don't think it's a mortal sin, and if it's something my wife asked me to do, I guess I could go and do that for her. So if your wife wanted you to go and get a pedicure, uh, that's something you could give in for, all right? Now, now Brother Kenneth already told me this morning the men met together, uh, and they decided to give me one more chance before they revoked my man card, okay? 
Now, right across from the, the salon that I went with my wife to, there was an axe-throwing place. I think they do that on purpose, where you can walk out and go back and get your man card for getting a pedicure. I did not get them painted, uh, and it was quite enjoyable, to be honest with you. So that was something that I thought, you know, I can give in on that. I can give in on that for her. I love her, and boy, she's been such a blessing to me in my, my life and in our, in our ministry. I can do that for my wife. So you know what? I can give in for that. That's not a big deal. Per se, hypothetically, your wife wanted you to go to an art class with her, hypothetically speaking. You're thinking, you know what, I'm, I, you know, I'm not much of an artist, and you know, I, I don't know if I'm into all of that, but you know, I, I think it would be okay to... Brother Nate, don't you think that'd be all right to give in for that? So I just think it'd be all right to give in to something like that, to go with your wife to an art class and you know, maybe paint a picture of something with some uh, cherry blossoms and a mountain background sky, maybe something like that. I don't know. That might be something good to paint. I, you know, that may not be who you are and what you're about, but you could give in to that, all right? There's a lot of things in life that we can give in to, but I'll be honest with you, in the Christian life, there are a lot of things that we need to be willing to stand up and fight for, all right? There are some things we don't need to give into and give over to in our walk with God, or else, let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to be one of just another casualty uh, in the good fight of faith that we should be fighting, and there's too many of them already. The role of casualty has been filled. There's too many who have quit fighting the good fight of faith, and they need to follow the example Jude's giving us and earnestly contend for the faith. Now, I want you to hear me out, all right? I want you to hear me out tonight. I despise legalism. Hear me out. I despise legalism. So what do you mean by legalism? Legalism, by the way, I think God does too, or I believe God does too. Legalism prioritizes rules over a personal relationship with Christ. Hear me out. Legalism prioritizes rules over a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now watch this. I have rules because I have a relationship with Christ. I don't have rules to have a relationship with Christ. Big, big difference. Now, I despise legalism. Oftentimes what legalists do is they'll pick a fight or they love to fight over preferences of opinion as if they were principles of the word of God and they are not. Did you hear me out? They almost you to listen to this. Boy, I I thought long and hard on exactly how to say what what the Lord put on our heart. I'm afraid we have fought the legalists for so long. I really do. I'm afraid we fought them for so long. We're afraid to have convictions over anything for fear we're going to be labeled one. We have fought the legalists for so long, and it's a battle that should have been fought and should be fought. God hates it just as much as I do and despises it as much as I do. But we have fought the legalists for so long, we're afraid to have any type of conviction about anything for fear of being labeled a legalist. And here's the result. I believe in our fight against legalism, we have failed to teach our young people there's a difference in fighting about our faith and fighting for their faith. And we've turned out a generation of young people who don't have one lick of conviction and can't contend for their faith because they're afraid they're going to be labeled a legalist. That's why we're losing our young people. They have no conviction because we're afraid that we're going to be labeled a legalist, which are wrong, wrong, wrong. Hear me out. I despise legalism. But there are some things that we ought to fight for. Listen, I'm not saying we should fight about our faith all the time, but we should fight for our faith. Why? Because the Bible says earnestly contend for the faith. What did Paul say in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. There's something we ought to fight about. There's something we ought to stand for. Listen, there are some things we ought to be dogmatic about. 
Not our opinions, but the truths of the word of God. You ought to, listen, have enough spiritual grit to fight for the things that Paul says that he fought for and gave his life for. But look, folks, if we're, if we're too scared to fight and to stand on what thus saith the Lord, I'm not asking you to stand on my opinion, but listen, God has called us to stand on his word. We can't be afraid as being labeled one of those wackos and weirdos, those holy rollers, just because there's a lot of people who did it wrong standing for opinion over the truth of God's word. So notice what's happening. What's happening here. Man, I hate when it gets quiet in here, all right? It makes me struggle. The exhortation to, to fight. He's telling them you've got to fight. What did Paul say? Second Timothy chapter 4. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul says I was fighting for something. Now, folks, listen. I don't believe Paul was a legalist. I don't believe it at all. I mean, listen, he wrote most of the New Testament. I believe the Apostle Paul had some things figured out. And Paul says there were some things worth fighting for. What did he fight for? Keep reading in verse 7. He says, I have kept the faith. You're going to have to fight to keep the faith. And listen, you shouldn't be ashamed to fight for that. You shouldn't be ashamed that you have convictions about the Word of God and the will of God and the truths of the Word of God. You shouldn't be ashamed about that. But oftentimes, listen... We're afraid to take a stand or to be vocal about what we believe in because we don't want to be labeled with those wackos over there who did it the wrong way. Now, hear me out tonight. We're losing our young people. I don't know. I don't think it's a week goes by. I don't get a question from somebody. Why? Listen, 10, 20 years, the kids go to these same churches, and as soon as they get out of church, they're gone. They had no conviction about the things that mattered. Listen, I could care less if you like LSU. I do. That's fine. You don't have to like LSU. I could care less if you like to eat what I like to eat. I like Krispy Kremes. You don't like Krispy Kremes? Hey, that's fine. But buddy, when it comes to the word of God, you better learn to contend for some things that matter. And our young people need to know, listen, there's nothing wrong with planting your foot on what thus saith the Lord and not backing down. That's why we're losing them. They're afraid to stand because they don't want to be associated with the folks who got it wrong. Well, folks, I, listen, I understand. This is not necessarily, it wasn't fun preaching this morning either. It's definitely not fun preaching tonight. But this is what God told us to preach. Satan seems to be the only one that believes that our fate's worth fighting for. Satan's the only one who believes our fate's worth fighting for. Why? He's the only one seemingly fighting for it. He's fighting against our faith way harder than we fight for our faith. And yet Jude says here, earnestly contend for the faith. What do you see Satan doing right there after Jesus got baptized? He confronted him. I mean, talking about moxie. I don't know if it's moxie or stupidity, but he confronted him. Trying to tempt Jesus, he was contending against the faith. What did he do with Peter? He said, Satan had desired to have you. He was after Peter's faith. We see all throughout Scripture, Satan contending against the faith. And the reason he's winning, I don't think anybody would argue with it tonight. He's winning. The scoreboard's clear. Watch the nightly news if you can stomach it. The scoreboard's clear. We're losing. Why? Because he's contending more against than we are contending for. So number one tonight, we're looking at contending for conviction. Number one tonight, notice he, the exhortation to fight. Number two, look down. He tells him not only what to fight, but who to fight. Look at verse four. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's telling them that he's going to fight, and he shows them specifically, verse 4, who they're going to fight. Number two, notice the explanation of the foe. He's letting them know exactly how the enemy works. Now, this is interesting. 
Notice the Bible says here, for there are certain men crept in unawares. They crept in. They didn't walk in the front door. They slithered in the back door. Do you know what Jude's saying in verse 4? Beware of the creeps. Can I give you young ladies some advice? Beware of the creeps. It's 2021. Can I give you young men some advice? Beware of the creeps. (laughs) They're out there too. I I saw a few this weekend that are out there. You know, this enemy, he's not coming in with an army and an invasion. He's slipping in. You look up that word creep, that word creep has an interesting definition. It means moving slowly and carefully to avoid detection. It almost sounds like he is giving us 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I don't have a cat, but I love watching cat videos. You know Ed's, Ed's drive-in or diner over here, burger joint, Ed's Burger Joint has one TV solely devoted to cat videos. What's more American than that? A burger joint that shows cat videos. I mean, that is great. And I love watching those cat videos, and you have those little kittens over there, and they'll hunker down real low, and they're stalking the big bad grasshopper. You know, and you you can tell they're conjuring their ancestors, the tiger and the lion and the leopard, and they're fixing to attack the little gazelle, which is really just a grasshopper, and they hunker down in the grass, and they take a step, and that grasshopper will look over, and they just freeze. The grasshopper goes back to doing whatever grasshoppers are doing, and that cat takes another step. He looks over, and they freeze. He's willing to wait that grasshopper out in order. You know what he's doing? He's creeping. He's creeping just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Do you know the Bible reminds us repeatedly about the dangers of sin and small doses? More people, listen, are overcome by sin through little dose after little dose after little dose at a time than they are through the overwhelming force of a satanic army, little by little by little. What does the scripture say, Galatians chapter 5? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. This is why we've got to keep our guard up. He's seeking to resist us and push us back. We've got to have some conviction about some things. And the Bible says, watch this, he's going to try to come through the back door little by little. Proverbs 24, 33, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Little. But you know what's happening? He's creeping in. He's creeping in. Now, folks, you got to be careful because the devil is a really good creeper, all right? I mean, we should have entitled this message Creeper Alert, you know? Y'all, you ever have a creeper alert? My wife and I will do that every once in a while. We're in Walmart, somebody walking up, she goes, creeper alert. Yes, it's been some of you. No, it hasn't been any of you. Creeper alert? That's the way the devil works. He creeps in little by little by little. And he's telling us here in verse number four, beware of the creeps. The enemy's not going to come. Listen, I never understood why the British would just line up out there in those giant red coats and line up for fight. I mean, look, us guys down here in the south, we just picked them off. He's not going to square up on you. He's going to be over in the bushes, that guerrilla warfare, seeking to take you out. So notice how he gets in. He creeps in. Samson, we know in Judges chapter 16, verse 16, how did Samson go down? Came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. The great and mighty Samson, how did he fall? Well, a bigger, badder dude came in and took him out. No, just a little old woman. 
who pressed him daily. Now, folks, look, if you don't have some conviction in your life, that foe's going to slip in and little by little by little carry you and your family away. And that's how we're losing them. The brother mentioned a moment ago about cell phones. I know Dad mentioned it uh, Wednesday night about cell phones. Look, I know they're an essential part of our life, even though I can't find mine right now, which makes me worried of where it's at. They're an essential part of our life. I get that, but be careful. He can creep through there. He'll creep through your television. He can, listen, he can creep through your neighbors. He can even creep through your family. Be careful. Be careful. Why? Because the Bible says certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. One of the saddest pictures of this is in 2 Peter chapter 2. The Bible tells us about Lot. The Bible says just Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Notice it was a day-to-day thing. All right, it wasn't an overwhelming force. The devil slowly but surely crept into the life in the home of Lot, and you'll find out that was a train wreck. Now notice how he works in verse 4. He creeps in is how he gets in, but notice how he works. The Bible says ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. I want you to focus in on that word turning. Turning. The devil will get you where he wants you, head in the direction he wants you to go, and he'll do it one turn at a time. It's taking my wife to Rock City. I uh, saw all the pictures of everybody up at Rock City having a good old time. I just thought it was a bunch of rocks, you know. And I didn't think I wanted to go there. And I saw all the pictures of all you guys going there. And so I got jealous and wanted to go. So I told my wife, we're going to go up to Rock City. So we started heading up Lookout Mountain. They had these nice blue signs that kept pointing you to Rock City. And so we're going up the mountain, Rock City. And we take a left. We got up top of the mountain and then take another left. And next thing you know, we're in Georgia. Not sure if we were supposed to be in Georgia, but we were. And then we, there's Rock City, kept going. The next thing you know, we saw a sign. We were at the bottom of the mountain back in Chattanooga. Somewhere along the line, my male GPS failed. I don't know if it was the mountains, you know, messing with the, the signal or what it was. My male GPS failed. I hate to admit it, but it's true. I think it was some holdover from the nail salon. That's what it was. Just some of that rubbed off on me. And I left some of that in that water when they did my feet, even though it felt really good. And we were back at the bottom of the mountain. I told my wife, I said, we were supposed to be going up to Rock City, and we're back in Chattanooga. And not only were we in Chattanooga, we were in the rough side of Chattanooga. Do you know how I got there? One wrong turn at a time. I'm probably going to lose my man card tonight because I was on probation already, but now I've admitted that I didn't know which way I was going. I'm definitely going to lose my man card tonight. One wrong turn. Now watch. How did the enemy accomplish his will by turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We read about Solomon. The Bible says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. See, here's what's going to happen. If you don't keep your guard up, if you don't have some conviction about something and contend for the faith, that enemy's going to sneak in little by little. He's going to creep in. He's a creeper. And he's going to sneak in. And little by little, you know, we sit there and watch this stuff on television all the time and watch these shows. There's things going on that don't even be going on. We're watching, exposing our kids to. Little by little, their little hearts are being turned. And all of a sudden, they graduate Christian school. 
leave a good church like this, go out into the world, and they become the wildest, wackiest, wacko people you've ever seen in the world, and you're thinking, what on earth happened? Right under our nose, oftentimes, moms and dads and folks, look, I have to make sure in my house every once in a while we take care of business too. Little by little, right under our nose, their hearts were being turned, and they were just waiting for the day to get out and go live publicly what they had been craving privately. Because what do we do? We were afraid to have some conviction, put our foot down about some things, and their hearts were turned little by little. So number two, notice the explanation of the foe. We shouldn't fall prey to this because he told us exactly what's going to happen. He exhorts them to fight. He gives us an explanation of the foe. Then watch what he does in closing. Verse five, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Now notice he concludes the introductory challenge with a reminder. He calls them to remember in verse number five, the children of Israel who, watch this, who once trusted God, and yet what happened? Verse five, it shows us they lost their faith. One of the greatest motivators for us tonight to contend for our faith oftentimes is the example of those that didn't. The example of those that didn't. The Bible says, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Notice number three, what he's giving us is, is the example of failure. He's given us the example of failure. The other night, I can't remember what, what day it was, we came home and as we pulled in the driveway, we heard an unbelievable amount of sirens, ambulances, police cars, fire trucks roaring down Elks Lake Road. Didn't know exactly what was going on. I think it was a Sunday night. Was it a Sunday night? A week ago? We could go tonight? And I didn't know what had happened. Um, so I guess it was the next day on Monday, Brother Nate said, did you hear what happened on Elks Lake? I said, no. He said, it was a bad accident right there in that curve, right before the city limits sign. And if you go by there, you'll see a pine tree that I mean probably five, six feet up. It's just the bark is knocked off of it. And there's a trail cut in the woods where a car evidently lost control and hit the tree. And Brother Nate says he spoke with the police officers and, and someone lost their life. Just a week ago, they're on Elks Lake Road. Well, usually, I am on my phone as part of my job requirements. And I'm going down the road, getting ready to leave for a couple's retreat the other day, and I'm texting while I'm driving. <sighs> She's already mmmed me. It's okay. <laughs> and she says, are you sure you want to do that? I says, what? I said, look, just, I'm super talented. I can multitask. Going down the road, and then lo and behold... Right as Holy Spirit number two is speaking, <laughs> I see this giant bald spot on that tree. And what did I tell you? I told my wife. I said, you know what? I forget who I was texting. It may have been one of you. No offense. But I says, they're not worth it right now for my daughter to grow up without a dad. The reminder of that tree. Go down to Elks Lake and look at it. Massive, massive tree just bark knocked all over it. Now, I don't know what happened to them, but someone lost, someone lost control of their car and lost their life there just a week ago. Do you know what? The Bible gives us so many examples of failure, reminding us you better contend for your faith or you're going to be just another victim. He says, remember the children of Israel, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. You know what ought to motivate us tonight to put up a fight, to have some conviction in our life about the things that matter, is too many examples of failure. Now, folks, I'm not picking on anybody that failed. 
If David, I, I think about men in the Bible, David, Samson, and Solomon. I think about them all the time. If they could fail, who am I? Who am I? Pipsqueak Jeremiah Andrews. I'm nothing compared to the man who is after God's own heart. I can't compare with the wisdom of Solomon or the strength of Samson. Who am I to think that I don't have to contend for the faith? Listen, I will be just another example of failure if I don't contend for the faith. I'm talking about the things that matter. I believe this is what motivated Paul. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, what did he say? But I keep under my body and bring to subjection, lest it by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. Do you know what I think scared Paul? I think it scared him thinking I could become another example of failure. He says, I don't want to become a castaway. A castaway is one that is taken out of service and put up on a shelf. Paul says, I don't want to become that. Had Paul seen enough of those who had quit? Paul seen enough of those who had failed and gone back and forsaken him having loved this present world. Hadn't Paul seen enough of that? Paul says, you know what? I don't want to be one of those and we should be resolved tonight. I don't want to be an example of failure. There's too many preacher friends of mine, listen, who have, who have quit fighting. Why? Because it's not popular to have any type of conviction now because you get labeled as a legalist. They quit fighting and then lo and behold, they lost their ministry, they lost their family, they lost their children. Now, folks, I'm talking about having conviction about things that God's convicted about, all right? If you want to be convicted about your opinion, that's fine. But I'm talking about having some spiritual conviction and contending about the things that matter. I don't want to have to look at my daughter one day and tell her why dad's going back to construction because he gave up on God because he stopped fighting. I can't imagine what it was like for the men in Scripture who quit on God to have to go back and look at their families. When Peter denied Christ... The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. I don't want to be an example of failure. How do you do that? You've got to contend for the faith. First Timothy 1, he says, holding faith and a good conscience. Holding it. You know what that means? Hang on. Hang on. Which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Oh, there are too many examples of failure, not only in the Word of God, but in our own lives of those who did not contend. You better put up a fight. If you want to fight for your football team and fight for your donut company, hey, you go right on ahead about that. But you can live without fighting about that stuff. But there's some things worth fighting about. And the Bible shows us in verse number 5 the examples of those who did not fight. There's a reason in Luke 17 the Bible says, remember Lot's wife. Amazing. That one little line is just squeezed right in there in Luke 17. Remember Lot's wife. Lot's, Lot's wife had enough faith to come out. But all of a sudden she turned back and there's a statue of a reminder of what happens when we go back against what God said. In closing tonight, I believe we, had less, we would have less examples of failure if we had more examples of fight. I believe we would have less examples of failure amongst our young people, our young adults, our homes, our moms and dads and our churches. We would have less examples of failure if we just had a few more examples of fight. So hear me out tonight. I believe as a church... If we truly love what we have here at Central Baptist Church, and I do, I don't know, I can't tell you the last week that our, our, our baptismal waters weren't moved, that people saved every week, the Lord's blessed our church, our church is growing, good things are happening, but I'll tell you, we can lose it in a heartbeat if we don't fight for it. The Bible says, contend for the faith. What did he give them? Three things. He gave them an exhortation to fight. He says, contend. He gave them an example or an explanation of the foe in verse 4. Be careful, they're going to try to creep in. In verse 5, he gave them an example of failure. I pray tonight 
we as God's people would be willing to contend for what God has given us. It's precious. It's precious. You look up that word contend. I'm done. The Bible's close. Look up that word contend. It means this, to strive and to stretch. I looked it up and I thought, well, that doesn't work with where I'm going with the message tonight. I hate it when it doesn't say what I want it to say, don't you? Amen. We all hate it when the Bible doesn't say what we want it to say. The more I thought about it, Brother Michael, I thought, to strive and to stretch. That's what contend means. Strive means stick with it. Stick with it. Stretch means go all the way. Finish it. Don't give up. Stretch, reach, keep reaching, striving, stretching. That's contending. Now, folks, look, sometimes the fight's going to spread us and stretch us a little bit thin. But, oh, isn't it worth it? Let's pass this church to our kids. Let's have this church they can pass to your grandkids one day. All because we were willing to contend for the faith now. Heads are bowed, eyes.